hey guys, this is Joe. My pro officer wants to give me a drug test, and I need your urine. Can I scroll some of your pisk? What's up, guys? It's Eric. Sean, you're my same height. That is neat. I didn't get in. When Sean Brunger got rejected from college, his girlfriend wouldn't give in. My friend's grandfather's on the board at Stanford. It keeps you busy. Sean's my boyfriend, and I would do anything to help him. He didn't break a promise to you. Remember prom night? Hi, Grammy. It's Tanya. And his brother wouldn't give up. Hello, Stanford admission. Loosen it up. You like what you see? You know you do. Orange County, ready PG-13. Starts tomorrow. You're listening to We're at the Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time and see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if they're paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? Uh, nothing much, Eric. Nice. I was, I was actually going to text you the other day. Uh, Bond is now available digitally, the new Bond film. Oh, really? No Time to Die. So I knew you were talking about that. and I yeah, so Like to rent or something online? Yeah, so you can now rent it through like, the streaming services now. Yeah, so... Might be worth checking oh. out at home. Save some right, money too. It's probably a lot cheaper than a than a movie ticket. So it's a win win. Yeah, way cheaper than a movie ticket. <laughs> but the thing I liked about that most probably is that if you rent it, you probably have what like twenty four hours to watch or something. Usually is how it is. Yeah. So you like it expires after a certain amount of time. So you can like you know watch half it because it's a long movie. So if you don't get through the first the whole three hours and the first thing, you can like pause it and come back to it after. Yeah, and Bree and I definitely wouldn't get through that the whole time the first time unless we started it at like noon. Or something like that, but all right, that's good to know. You've been watching yeah. anything else good? <laughs> no, I was I was gonna watch the new Paranormal Activity, which I'm probably going to with my brother, just because like those movies are just at this point. I love watching them and I love narrating them along with my brother as we as we watch it. But uh that and Halloween Kills, which was awful. I heard that awful, awful, the, awful. One of the true true crime podcasts they listen to actually the two girls are saying they were like well, I think one of them saw it. And, the other one was like, oh, how was it? And she was like, I don't think you'll like it. <laughs> like, it's pretty. And I've heard from a few people that it's not good. It's a shame because the first one, like this is like obviously a new trilogy now. And the first one was good. But the second one, it's like a whole dip in quality all around. So like, I don't know if they were like, you know, they had to rush through it at one point. But like, yeah, it's a, it was a total shame because the first one was so good. And they have like this awesome, like this is still canon to the original series. So it's a shame seeing them kind of botch it. But, you know I will not watch those movies anyway, so, <laughs> so yeah, don't have to worry about impressing me. Yeah. What have you been watching? Um, Bree and I started watching. They released a new a new season of Narcos, Narcos in Mexico, season three. So we watched the first episode of that, but and we liked it. We haven't like we haven't really dove in yet. Also, um, I know I'm like a decade late to the game, but I started watching Mad Men for the first oh, time. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have. Yeah. What do you think of it so far? I'm only two episodes in, but I, I really like it. It's it's way different than I thought it was going to be so far in a good way, though. It's, it's very you know. character driven, like not a whole right. lot of action, like surrounding the characters, but the characters themselves is such a like a focus. That's like a, was right. a character study. Right. And John Hamm's awesome. So right. he's, 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 he seems like a, like a likable dude, too. So, and then other than that, went to the Bruins game last night. They won. That was good. Oh, yeah. And, you're, uh, you're going again. Are you going again this? I'm going tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. Tomorrow so. and then Sunday and then next Sunday. And is there, I, game, is there a game you're looking forward to? Are those I'm looking more forward to the others? Tomorrow because it's uh, Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. So, if you're, if you're not a hockey fan, you don't know. But Connor McDavid is 
probably the most freakishly talented hockey player of all time. So just seeing him play in person is like, he, he looks fast on TV and then you see him in person. And you're like, Oh my God. Like, I don't know. There's a, there's an awesome, I think hockey has some of the best mic'd up um, clips ever. And I, and I think there's uh, I think it was Alex Petrangelo when he was playing for uh, St. Louis at the time, I believe I could be wrong about that, but he was wearing a mic. He's a defenseman and they have him mic'd up and, Connor McDavid's basically going the other way, and then he kind of winds up, gets the puck, and starts coming at Alex Petrangelo, who's an elite level. He's an unbelievable defenseman. And they have him mic'd up, and he goes, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, because he's just so fast. And he, like, no one blows past, or very few people blow past Alex Petrangelo, and Connor McDavid's just, like, <laughs> right by him, like, a, like, like it was nothing. So, How old is he? Yeah. He's still, like, is he on, like, what, under, is he? He's 24. Was, okay. He wears jersey number 97 because that's the year he was born. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that terrifying? <laughs> so, um, and then and then the last thing I have to give a shout out to is Bree and I, my wife and I went out to dinner tonight to our favorite restaurant. It's probably the restaurant that uh, for our relationship has been the most, we've definitely gone there the most, uh, Cafe Azteca in Lawrence. And they are uh, t- temporarily closing. They're looking for a new place. So, we wanted to go. This is the last week that they're open before they, they shut down for this location. And so if you're in Massachusetts in the Merrimack Valley and you're looking for the best Mexican food, hopefully they'll be back up and running at a new um, new location relatively soon. But is there a rent issue? Like, I don't uh, know. Rent being increased? I, I, that would be my guess. It would be something like that. But uh, but I'm not sure. They, they're right down by um, the courthouse in Lawrence. So. But they they have this. It's just it's just sad because they have this beautiful location. This the owner's so nice and so. Uh, I, the first time I saw that they were closing, I just saw like Cafe Azteca is closing, and I was like, no. So if if worst case scenario is that they're they're moving, then even if it means they're closed for a few months or however long it takes, then that's fine. It's as long as they they're doing well and they're happy. So shout out to Cafe Azteca, the best Mexican food around, at least for like sit down restaurant. I haven't been there, but I've always heard good things about it. It's the best, man. It's, 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 yeah, it's the best. So, um, and like I said, super nice family. So Joe picked, um, the movie so he can tell you what we're, we're watching in a second. The, you, although you guys already heard the trailer and our quotes, the beer, I wasn't really sure. I, I wasn't too inspired to pick out any certain beer for this one. And then as I was watching it, one of the, you know, within like the first 20 minutes or so of the movie, there's a scene where Jonathan Lithgow, who plays the father of the main character of this one, is crushing a Sierra Nevada pale ale. And I was like, that's it. That's a sign from from up above. That is one of those beers where like back in the day, I would, you would order one of those at a bar if you wanted to be like, oh, I'm not like a, I don't drink just Bud Light. That used to be like a super fancy beer before every brewery, every bar had like a hundred micro, micro brews and everything like that. So Solid pale ale, so that's what I'm that's what I'm drinking tonight. Shout out to Jonathan Lithgow. Thanks for the, the, situ- nice. the uh, suggestion. So, this is this is your pick. We're watching. We're talking about Orange County. So, why'd you pick it? I picked it because I've read it. <laughs> so, I honestly had my mind set on a night at the Roxbury up until like 30 minutes before recording our last episode. I was browsing the movie subreddit about a week ago, and someone mentioned this movie having a great cast, which it does, and it's a film that I enjoyed when I was younger. Well, I didn't forget about it. Um, it's not a film that I pulled from my you know, shelf and I haven't watched it in a long time. So I feel like I could want to revisit this one. Plus, you know, a summer film or before a New England, New England winter is always a uh, 
it's a good thing, I think, to remind us of what we had. Now we're about to go into here. So rewatching this, I was like, so I saw this in theaters for sure. I remember that. Oh, cool. But but rewatching this, I was like, this movie is so Joe, like so not in a bad way. It's just the whole story is just very you. So I could totally see why you would pick it. You would like it. So, yeah, I, I, I remember seeing this in, in the theaters, I think, with Scotty and Adam and really liking this. And one thing that's funny is I quote this movie a decent amount. And some of the quotes I reference or I use in my day to day life, I don't I bet you if you, if if I hadn't just rewatched this. You'd be like, Eric, you always say that. Like, what's that from? And I, I'd be like, I don't really know. But then as I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, like, like when uh when Jack Black's in the in the house with um with that girl before they burn it down, or in the building with that girl before it burned down, and she goes, Put that out, man. Put it out. Yeah, I say that, yeah, I, I, I say that, that all the time. Yeah. And then uh the what this one is probably the one I do the most. Um, well, there's two. The one where he says, uh, Jack Black says, a shirt that says I, I i don't know like talk to the hand i say that all the time and then uh this one i say about my my wife's mother who is a gossip queen and just can't she talks so much but when she's like when jack black's talking to the fireman and he's just talking out of his ass lying and he said i said you better not you you better not that that's another good one so <laughs> oh some lines were really good yeah, there's tons of one-liners and there's tons of quotable lines. So, um, yeah. Would you have any other first memory? No, but I, like you said, I, going into this, I, I didn't realize he was, like, going to be, like, a writer. So, like, very relatable. Like, I ended up being pretty relatable in the end. Like you said, like, yeah. I did not expect it to be, like, I thought it was going to be, like, more of a dumb comedy, which it really wasn't. <laughs> no, this is, no. no it's actually yeah, a pretty a, good comedy. Like, it's, you know, it's like. It's, it's pretty it's, good. And, and I'll, I'll, I mentioned in my, my score at the end, but. Yeah, rewatching this, I was like, this is like made. This movie's made. You could have written this movie. This movie is seriously, this movie seems like a movie you would have written. So, um, but uh, do you have any uh, stats as far as how it did? I do. Orange County came out on January 11th, 2002, and had a budget of 18 million, making 43.3 million in the box office. This film has a lot of talent behind it. It was written by Mike White, who has been behind some critically acclaimed movies and TV shows as a writer, director, and an actor. And he plays the English teacher in this movie. It was directed by Jay Kasdan, who is the son of Lawrence Kasdan. And Jake has also been involved with box office hits, most recently with the new Jumanji sequels. So it's an MTV film. So up until this, the MTV films were like Beavis and Butthead, Joe's apartment, Dead Man on Campus, which is one that I remember being funny. I bet you if I rewatched it, it would bum me out. But uh, Varsity Blues, I'm just off the top. MTV, of my head. I, I realize I'm t- I can't, I can't, MTV Films was involved with Varsity Blues. I know that. Yeah, it's been yeah, a while. Yeah. So. They were involved with it. I don't, I don't know, like if there was a different, different level of involvement. But yeah, I know. I, and and I think that's probably why 2002. This is like prime MTV. Actually, no, probably prime MTV for me was when I was like younger younger but this is like you'd come home watch trl and and you know what i mean that, that was yeah. like that part of my life so um yeah so this is this that's why i saw it and why i remember it uh critically it did pretty well well i did it did okay from it did okay for the first two things that i'll mention but then i want to get into what mr ebert thought of it so um 
on IMDb, it's a 6.2 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's 46%, which that particularly that Rotten Tomatoes, I think is, is low. Um, but Roger Ebert, three out of four stars. This is a quote from his review. Orange County has the form of a teenage movie, the spirit of an independent comedy, and the subversive zeal of Jack Black, whose grin is the least reassuring since Jack Nicholson. It's one of those movies like Ghost World and Legally Blonde, where the description can't do justice to the experience. It will sound, it will sound like the kind of movie that, if you are over, to 18, over 17, you don't usually go to see, but it isn't. And I totally agree with that, because yeah. I, I, when I was, uh, how old would I have been in 2016 when this came out or something? I liked it for the one-liners, like I said, I remember, but watching this again as an adult, I guess, because I'm technically an adult now, uh, it's, it's good for different reasons. You know, the one-liners are still funny and everything, but the story is a lot more fun, a lot yeah. cooler. So yeah, I agree with that. And you said it came out in January of 2002. So some other movies that came out that month, The Good Girl with Jennifer Aniston, Narc, which is one of the first, when I think of when I started at Movie Scene, the rental store that Joe and I worked at, that's like one of the first movies that I remember putting on the new release wall. And like, I remember renting that only because I had free rentals. You know what I mean? It turned yeah. out it was a decent, it was a decent movie. It was fine. But that was one of the first ones where I was like, oh, I can just pick up whatever I want. This is about like drugs and crime. I'll take it. The only, my only impression of Narc is I rented the, uh, was it the <laughs> PS2 game of it and yeah. it was God awful. Like that's why I've never seen Narc the movie, but man, like I, I, I rented the game not knowing it was a movie as a game based on a movie, but boy, that game suck. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. The movie's not, the I mean, it's good. It's, it's good. It's got Ray Liotta, Jason Patrick and everything, but it's, it's not the best, but it's it's for whatever reason I can like you know you you've said this before in the podcast you can see the cover yeah I can see the cover of Narc from working at movie scene it's one of the, I don't know um, other movies that came out that month uh, Snow Dogs Count of Monte Cristo Walk to Remember which for Boy. oh dude for every for, female my mother yeah. everyone loved that movie man <laughs> yep. it's now a lifetime like hit <laughs> there is no so. I would, like I said, I was around 16 at this time. If you can find someone my age who didn't, who wasn't forced to sit down and watch that movie with a girl, you could, good luck. I, that's that everyone I know. And, and to be clear, I, there are a lot of girl movies like, you know, quintessential, like what people will call chick flicks that I really like. And I, I'm not saying that Walker remembers the worst movie of all time, but that one was, that was a tough one, but also, uh, Mothman Prophecies and Kung Pao. Kung Pao. Out, that's yep, cool. yep. That's another one I remember putting away <laughs> on the new release wall. Uh, outside of film, the infamous tuck rule game between the Patriots and the Raiders. I lost $30 on the Super Bowl that year after that game. I bet against the Patriots. So most people in the country hate the Patriots. So I figure, listener-wise, it's good to tell them that I bet against <laughs> them. I bet against Patriots. Lost $30 to Mike Bev. I won't say his full last name, but I, I did pay him. And $30 when you're, uh, was I a junior in high school? That's a lot of money. So uh, also. The goddamn Patriots, man. Oh, yep. That was the start of, start of the kind of a, towards the beginning of a rough, uh, well, if you don't like the Patriots, it was a rough 20 years. Um, and then also Beautiful Mind cleaned up at the Golden Globe Awards, one award after award. So that was some other stuff that was going on at that time. 
Do you have a back of the DVD summary? I'm interested. I didn't look. I'm interested to see what this is. It's pretty simple. A smart high school student with his heart set on going to Stanford is horrified when his guidance counselor accidentally sends the wrong transcript with his college application. He spends the rest of the film trying to prove that he's actually a good student with a terrific grade point average. Yeah, that's pretty weak. It's a pretty weak summary. I mean, it's a, it's a tough movie to it's a tough movie to sum up and yeah. however many characters, but that's there's they're leaving a lot out there. So if I I don't you know as I after I just trashed on it, I don't know how I would describe this movie. If I had to if I had to give like an elevator pitch to someone on on the the best things about it because the story is cool that he's inspired by the writer, but they mentioned that. But I think the best thing about the movie. Is is that the, the background story of him being inspired and having this like life altering thing? But then the best thing about this movie is the supporting cast to me. Right, and I was going to say that's that by by far the best thing for sure. Don't get me wrong, Colin Hanks is great too. So yep. I'm not saying he he. I almost consider him supporting cast at this point because he's he was so new. Yeah. But so some of the cast members going to the movie. So Colin Hanks, obviously the son of Tom Hanks, and Tom Hanks's first wife Samantha. Uh, and he's, he's not on, really he's, go on, ahead. He's, he's underrated huh like Colin hanks he like he i feel like he should be in way more things like i feel like he like not not because he's tom hanks son which, which helps but he's actually pretty good in the things i've seen him in he's excellent uh, yeah he's put together a solid career i actually think that i'm sure that being tom hanks son helped him get his career started but yeah. i would bet that that almost hurts him in a way now because when you see him you can't think about anything other than he's tom hanks's son so yeah but yeah so he was in that thing you do this orange county uh king kong the newer jumanji films also in roswell uh band of brothers on hbo the good guys dexter and other other stuff on tv so he's had a solid career and i think he's probably figuring out that how he has to carve out his own lane and right and do his own thing so good for him um i meant to look up how to pronounce this so if I'm saying it wrong, I apologize to Miss. Hold on, I'm I'm getting a Skyler. It is Skyler. Okay, it's just spelled spelled a little different. So Skyler Fisk, who's Sissy Spacek's daughter, and watching this, the minute she came on the screen, I was reminded. I was like, oh my god, I had the biggest crush on her when I saw this. And she is, <clears throat> if there's like a Mount Rushmore for the greatest TV or movie girlfriends, wives, she. She might be the greatest. She's awesome in this movie. So in 1995, she did the Babysitter's Club. She was also in Snow Day, uh, obviously Orange County, One Tree Hill, and Law and Order on TV. She's also a talented musician and has recorded with, do you know, Joe? No, I didn't know this. Oh, she's a talented musician and has recorded with Joshua, Joshua Raiden, Radden. Oh, yeah. Oh, very yeah. cool. Yeah, who she wrote Paper White paperweight with oh i had no idea that's awesome <laughs> and, yeah and her music has been in the last kiss dear john and other movie film and tv so oh really cool yeah she, yeah right she definitely, like you say talking about coming out your like a different career like that's it like she found her path that's awesome she was so likable in this movie and so really like was yeah she was great and then another person who killed in this movie jack black yeah. and everyone laughs jack black that's what he's there for his comic comic relief but insane career airborne which i've mentioned i keep threatening to pick that movie and i will do it eventually that's a movie of my childhood um also in biodome cable guy which we've done 
Mars Attacks, The Jackal, Enemy of the State, High Fidelity, Saving Silverman, Shallow Hal, um, obviously Orange County, School of Rock, King Kong, Nacho Libre, The Holiday, Tropic Thunder, and the newer Jumanji film. So he he's that like funny fat guy, but he he does it better than anyone. And he's been doing it for close to 30 years now. I mean, that movie Airborne that I talked about and that I've threatened to pick every once in a while, I don't know the exact year, but I think that came on like 92 or something, 93. Jack Black is super talented, both as like, he's obviously a musician too, Tenacious D. Like he's been involved with games, video games. He's like, he's been involved with so many different forms of media. It's insane. And he really is funny and he can play if he has to serious, like school of rock, for example, is probably my favorite film with Jack Black. And he it's one of my favorite. I love school of rock. It's, It's such a great film. And he plays comedy and someone who like has heart really well. Yeah. Like I think he of, does. Like, I think he does. I don't obviously don't know him personally, but he seems like one of those celebrities who's, if you met him, would be a really good dude. And that's totally just based on his Instagram posts and not <laughs> taking himself seriously. But in Hollywood, that's rare. In Hollywood, it's very tough to find someone who's been as successful as him and doesn't like think that they're God. Right. And like he talks about his mother a lot. I feel like people talk about their mother a lot. I feel like there are like they're decent people for whatever reason. He's always talking about like how much he loves her, like the things she yeah. does. Like he's always like, you know, that kind of like just says a lot. Yep. Speaking of super likable celebrities, the lovely Catherine O'Hara. So Beetlejuice, Nightmare Before Christmas, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, For Your Consideration, Home Alone 1 and 2, and then obviously Shit's Creek. I forgot that she was in this. So when I, when I, uh, when she first was on screen, I was like, oh, that's great. I love her. So, um, and then her starts off as ex husband and then maybe as husband again by the end of the movie or, or plans to be husband again, played by Jonathan Lithgow, who, what you know him from probably depends a lot on how old you are. If you're around my age, you probably know him. Like I think of Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, that was like my first exposure that i remember love that show right and there's no shame in that three emmys three emmys for that show um but he has had quite the career outside of that so whether it's drama comedy on stage really everything um obsession big fix uh, world according to garb shrek cliffhanger and a million other million other successful movies so and movie shows uh plays everything so and then some other cameos just worth mentioning uh harold ramus as a Stanford admissions guy, Chevy Chase is the principal. Uh, Lou Tomlin as uh, the college counselor at the high school, the useless college counselor. Leslie Mann as Lithgow's like new wife. She looks like, the same. She's unbelievable, dude. <laughs> she looks she's the same. awesome. <laughs> she's so like she's like, just like Jack Black. Well, for, she well, this is not just like Jack Black. No offense, Jack Black. She's beautiful, but she's also so funny. She's one of the funniest. Oh my god. She's hilarious. So, and then obviously, and then also uh, Ben Stiller as a fireman. So it's like every time Gary Marshall was in the Stewart Blue, wasn't he? Didn't Gary Marshall make an appearance? Like this movie is wild. (laughs) Like, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, And uh, we'll get, so, well, I guess you kind of, well, no, I'll get into this one other thing later, but do you have anything down for just random facts like IMDb trivia stuff? I have a few. Um, Before Lance jumps into the pool to save Sean, he takes off his socks. This was not in the script, but was an idea of Jack Black's wardrobe assistant. Black found the idea hilarious, and the gag remained in the film. 
again, that's talking awesome. about Jack Black, I love the fact that he took the idea of a wardrobe assistant. Yep. And, you know, that's, I think that's great. Despite the film title and subject, none of the film was actually shot in Orange County. I didn't look up where it was shot, but I thought it was kind of funny that the fact right. that, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the final one I have is Jack Black's character gives a fake name to Ben Stiller's firefighter, Joe Johnson. The real Joe Johnson worked with director Jake Kazan's father, Lawrence Kazan, on Star Wars and Dan Jones and directed the original Jumanji, which would later have two sequels directed by Jake Kazan. And like we mentioned, Colin Hanks would come in on, on that as well, which is pretty cool. That is cool. I um, I I'm glad because I had a I had a couple of facts that were different. I was worried that Joe and I both didn't. Usually with some movies, there's like pages and pages of fun facts, and you have to pick a few. This one was there wasn't as many. So yeah. Jack Black is screenwriter. You mentioned this that he's Mike White's next door neighbor, uh, and his part was written specifically for him. So that's that's pretty cool, and that's how yeah, you know cool. Jack Black's funny in real life. Uh, Jonathan Lithgow or John Lithgow and Colin Hanks would play villains, would both play villains in Dexter in seasons four and six. Did you ever watch Dexter, Joe? I can't remember. I did the first few seasons and I left off right before John, Lith- John Lithgow's <clears throat> season, which I heard is like one of the best. So I probably should have cut, cut went, went a little further, but yeah, we all know how show. It, yeah, it went downhill in the end. Now, but the reboot I heard, I th- I've heard some good things. I haven't really looked at too many reviews, but the reboot is happening right now. It's yes. airing. So yeah. And then the last one I have is this is the first of four collaborations with Jack Black and Colin Hanks, as they both also star in King Kong, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and Jumanji, The Next Level. But in the latter two movies, they don't share any screen time. And with the exception of King Kong, they're all directed by, like you said, Jake Kasdan. So um, as far as stuff that wouldn't fly in today's PC environment, do you have anything down or? Um, a couple of jokes, <clears throat> you know, might offend people, but... Um... They didn't really uh, linger. They didn't really linger. So I, right, really, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It was not much. And, and for this time, those were fairly tame. Doesn't mean they're appropriate, but they were compared to some other movies that were coming out around this yeah. time. Not bad at all. Um, what was your favorite scene? So my favorite scene, I love when he meets his idol, Mr. Skinner. So it's a really cool moment where Mr. Skinner thankfully isn't trying to be a complete dick, which is like how some of these movies are, some of these idols are, you know, you get heartbroken when you meet them. And this person, Colin Hanks' character, Sean, he was obsessed with this writer. And this, this is what inspired him to become a writer. Um, So it's really cool when he meets them, Mr. Skinner talks to him and he eventually, despite him not going to the school, he invites him into I assume, his office and they talk about the book that Sean sent him. And I just love that, how he was giving him feedback and talking about like how he should end it and really, really cool moment. And then honestly, from that point on, I thought the movie just never let down. Like it was constantly like a good flow for the entire third act. I love the thing I love about that scene too, is um, how spoiler alert, Sean has become obsessed with going to Stanford because of him, because of his idol. And then his idol ends up telling him like, stay home. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like you don't need Stanford. If you're a talented writer or you're talented, whatever, you don't need to go to any particular school or. Right. I love that. That's why I love the ending. The entire thing is he's like, these characters are great. It's like, you love these characters. It's based off his mother, his brother, his girlfriend. And like, he's like, okay, like, you know, maybe you know, all the people he loves is why he's a good writer. So it's like, I right. love that. Like you said, I love that whole, that whole scene is just so good. So I love that scene as well. So I have, 
I had a couple comedic scenes that I wanted to talk about. And then one serious scene that other than what you just said was my favorite serious scene, but there's also like a little thing I would tweak if I could. So I'll start with the comedy stuff. The first scene that I really loved is the first in class scene at the high school where Mr. Burke uh, <laughs> is clearly just a moron. And uh, he, he says something like, you know, when I talk about how Romeo and Juliet, who comes to mind and the, te- the students just start saying Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, Claire Danes. And every time he's like, that's right. That's right. That's good. Uh, I love when he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, this is a really good story. You'll use a lot of big words. <laughs> yeah. But, and earlier on, uh, Colin Hanks' character, Sean, has said, like, I'm pretty sure my English teacher is illiterate. <laughs> but when he said, then, so then he starts saying, uh, he's like, All, a lot of Shakespeare's work went on to become successful films. West Side Story, <laughs> Talented Mr. Ripley, Waterworld, Gladiator, Chocolate. I was cracking up and I have to give a shout out to Mike White yes. who played the teacher sneaky good in this one. Like every time he's <laughs> yeah. on this on screen, I'm cracking up. He's more of a writer, like screenplay, Nacho Libre, this dead man on campus, school, of rock Dawson's Creek freaks and geeks, but the white Lotus most recently saying a claim. Yeah. But I found myself like, cracking up every time that guy opened his mouth and i was like I, I almost wish that they gave him more scenes but i don't know there's probably a tipping point where why the random appearances are what make him so funny yeah the one-liners but oh my god i was cracking up so that's my first comedic scene that i wanted to mention and then the second one is the fire scene between uh that starts with jack black and jane adams who played mona just outstanding when so from her being like put that out man put it out like we talked about earlier and then the fire starting and then we get to see the interaction between him and ben stiller and he's like uh he's when ben stiller the fireman's like where are your pants buddy and he's like i took them off to run faster through the flames that that scene totally lived up to i remembered it being funny and it was maybe funnier than i remembered it i love how he's constantly throwing her under the bus yeah, yeah, I said, not, you know, don't do it. Don't do it. He's like, she said electrical fire. He's like, yeah. It was. It was total electrical fire. fire. <laughs> it totally was. She was like, I'm going to burn this mother down. And I was like, you better not. You better not. Um, and then for the serious scene, you picked probably the best serious scene. But for another another one that I I liked and I could have loved if they tweaked it a little bit more. But um, I love the end scene of the film where he leaves the book. He buries the book that inspired him and changed his life in the sand with the intention of like hopefully someone else finds it and, it and it saves them as well but his surfer friends kill it if that scene was exactly the same except either he went surfing by himself at the end of it or they asked him to surf in a less ridiculous way it would have been like a nice way to, to see closure but where it starts with them with a million firecrackers on it and they're just playing, they're like, well, I'm a surfer dude. It's like, yeah, right, I yeah. wish, I wish that was like more of like the final shot almost right. like, almost like he said, like, I, I like the fact that he surfs again, he goes back to his original self, which is who he is. Yeah. But I wish, right. Like as they're running off, he's just like, okay. Like I wish that was like the last thing we saw was the book in the sand. Right. Or like I said, if, he, if they did, if they wanted to do the surfing thing and he, he, ideally I would say remove his friends and have him just like, yeah walk out with his board or if his friends could turn it off for one scene and just be like you know so what was the friend's name who passed away Lonnie, i believe yeah like so say they were like 
Lonnie, be proud of you, man. And then they, or something like that. Yeah. Anything other than them loading like $500 worth of fireworks on a surfboard. And <laughs> yeah. That was so stupid. And it, it was, it ruined what could have been a really, a really good scene. Yeah. But, um, I'll let you talk about the soundtrack, but I just have to say that if you have a song by Cake on your soundtrack, I'm a fan. Also had The Offspring, The Foo Fighters, The Ataris, which are a guilty pleasure of high school, Eric. Solid soundtrack. So I'll let you say whatever else you have to say. You already mentioned some of the bands I had, so I'll kind of skip around that. But yeah, the score was composed by Michael Andrews, who's probably best known for the Don Darko Mad World cover. But he's been involved with other movies as well, mostly comedies, ranging from the fun She's Out of My League to The Big Sick to most recently Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. So he did the score for that. And the license. Did you ever see that? No, I didn't. And I think it's oh. I think it's out now in Spring Sources, isn't it? Can't you rent it now digitally? I believe I, I, I saw it in theaters because I'm a real fan. Go ahead. Oh my god. All right. This guy. So the license soundtrack was excellent, I thought. Minus a few songs. From the point where uh, let's was a uh what's that song? Is it butterfly? That song playing like three times. Like I get why they're doing it. It was like it was, it was a joke and it was, it was meant to be a joke, Dude. and I get it, but God, I talked about I was like, no, I hate, I hate the 2000s. <laughs> I don't know what like the equivalent would be for like 80 songs. Like I don't even know, but that song put me back in high school in the worst way. <laughs> right. In, Cause it's not even like a song. Some songs are, we talked about this with, when we were talking about the offspring in the last film or was it, I don't remember what it was. It was, it was uh, idle hands, idle hands. Yes. So Idle Hand, uh, for The Offspring, I started out liking them and then I got a little sick of them, but now it's been far enough. It's been enough time. I had enough separation where I can enjoy it. That song. Still not a separation. <laughs> oh, it, it. Okay, no, you keep talking and I'll, and I'll talk about this in a second. Okay. So I thought my few songs, uh, it was excellent. From the point where Pete Yorn's Lose You comes on is where the entire soundtrack changed for the better, I thought. Um, Pete Yorn, Brian Wilson, Ivy, and both Creeper Lagoon with Under the Tracks and Super Sugar Bomb with Hello brought back some crazy memories. But definitely earlier tracks, I really enjoyed where the soundtrack ended up going. And if you stay during the credits, you'll hear Phantom Planets California, which should remind you of a little show called The OC, which came out a year later. All right, so since Joe referenced the OC, I do have to remind everyone that Catherine O'Hara is Canadian. So okay, Joe's, got, Joe's gotten his OC <laughs> reference. I've pointed out someone that's Canadian. We can move on. Um, so if you could change one thing. So I have, two, I have two things that I would change. And then I want to bring one other thing up. So I'm never, I don't say this often, but this one was a little too short. Now, it was like an hour and 20 minutes. I would have loved an extra 10 or 15 minutes of either scenes with Sean and Ashley, the girlfriend, or his parents, or, or I think the best would be the, the, uh, the author, um, played, played by Kevin Klein. But, um, so that would be one. Two, his surfer bro friends. It was just like the whole movie was so all the casting was great. All the characters are great. Like I was saying, even the teacher who's in it for just a little bit, he was perfect. And then you just had these two, like, uh, oh, they just ruined it. And those guys are, I'm not saying it wasn't their fault. It was the character's right. fault. It was like, they got lazy for, for two characters and it, and it just, it bummed me out. So those are the two things I would change, but I have to mention the come my lady scene at the party. <laughs> 
that's that was the my least favorite scene in the whole thing for a few reasons so first that colin hanks is like kind of talking to other girls and then uh skyler's talking to that tool played by nat fax yeah kip kip Kip, yeah (laughs) so that bummed me out because i I wanted their relationship to work so i was like what the hell even though i've seen this movie before but what really kills me is the group of girls singing and dancing to come my lady and the reason it bummed me out is like it's a little bit exaggerated but girls that think they're hot and those girls were hot or whatever that's so it's kind of realistic of something that could happen for like the popular girls who are like everybody wants to watch me dance that's my song yeah that's my song it's like get off i'm trying to watch the game or whatever yeah so that that was my that bothered me what about you if you could change one thing what would you change i actually mentioned what you just said a second ago where i wish a scene with mr skinner was um a little longer because i thought that was the entire like the entire buildup of the movie was that scene i felt like like we all waited for this encounter and it happened i wish it was a little bit longer and i really love how we see the family come together at the end um we see the father being supportive he's trying to make a donation to get us on the uh, stanford and I, I wish we got a little more of a taste of what that normalcy looked like because poor sean's was in such like a screwed up situation with his like mother who's like like she's walked off Shit's creek right now she's constantly drunk and she's just a mess and i just wish we got a little sense of <laughs> normalcy with that family but the one thing that really kind of it's a movie but i feel like the whole plot of the movie could have been resolved pretty easily <laughs> so it's like you the mean whole like plot the transcript like, thing yeah i feel like you know the counselor obviously it's in a different situation could you know contacted the school and been like i screwed up i feel like this whole thing was definitely could have been resolved without having sean and his brother and girlfriend go to stanford and you know but threaten people then burn down a building i agree i see what you're saying although i don't know i feel like a school like stanford is like i think they might be like oh that sucks like and you're right apply again next year because stanford is like schools like that have such high they they're like we are they're gonna be like we already have our i don't know what a class at stanford is we already have our thousand kids or whatever like yeah, but, but you know the kid who got accepted for over him, <laughs> I forgot his name now. I'd be like, okay, get, kick that kid out. He's clear as a 920 if I can GPA. I'm like, oh, whatever it is. It's like, let's bring this guy back. That's, no, that's fair. <laughs> um, so this is the, the point of the podcast. We give our scores and we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So a score of one is you start the movie and you get a couple minutes in, maybe it's when his friend dies in a serving accident and you can't take it anymore. And you're like, this is stupid. And you just turn it off. So you don't have to pay a late fee all the way up to score of five, which is you're going to keep it an extra day or two or three to watch it again, show to your friends, maybe even just buy it from the video rental store. This is Joe's pick. So I'm going to give my score first. Um, I think this is an extremely underrated movie. And like I said a minute ago, you, that I don't say this often, but it's too short. I think that hurts a little bit. But Hanks is great. Uh, Skylar Fisk is great. Jack Black and the entire supporting cast is amazing. One thing that I really like is when someone has a super small role in a film. And so they kind of have a reason to just kind of mail it in and go through the motions and give 50%, but they don't. Kevin Klein in this, Mike White, like I said, Leslie Mann, just a few examples of cast members who probably could have gotten by just reading the lines and doing what they had to do but i really think that they went the extra the extra mile to to make it a great movie or a very entertaining movie um i don't know how this movie doesn't get more attention i think the fact that it's an mtv movie 
hurts it a little bit in that way as far as like long-term reputation yeah. i think the fact that it's an hour and 20 minutes also doesn't do it any, a favor but um it has some flaws with the surf bros like i said the the hot girls at the party etc but it's really good so i give this a 3.5 out of 5 and if you think that's too high seriously i would encourage you to go back and and watch this with an open mind i think some of the hopeless romantic stuff how to be a writer etc is going to be lost on some people but i think this one is very good and if you added 15 or 20 minutes of what you know whatever we we talked about him him with kevin klein more or him and him and his girlfriend or his family whatever just 15 or 20 quality minutes or tone down the surfer bros i'd give it an even higher score but for me it's a 3.5 out of 5 yeah, that's, that's pretty close to where I have it as well. I This movie caught me completely off guard. I knew I liked it from when I was a, when I was younger. So revisiting this and completely forgetting about his, you know, passion was writing and is relatable right from the start. But like you said, the cast is awesome. The supporting cast is amazing. The cameos, uh, Jack Black's are great. Then we have Ben Stiller and that awesome scene with the two of them kind of going back at it with each other. But this film feels like it came out of the 90s and it really does what came out in 2002 is still held up really well. And I love how I, again, going into this, my thoughts would be a dumb comedy, but it was anything, but the whole idea of we have Sean, who's completely sane the entire time for the most part, and he carries everyone else, but he as a same character never really loses himself. And I love that in the movie, like he doesn't like kind of go off the rails and act dumb one moment and act smart. The next, like he complete is that character. And the whole thing, just from the acts to the final message of the movie, I really enjoyed it. And I give it a four out of five. That's fair. I think I had, I, I, I think I had this at three scores. Like I, I, I think I started at like a 3.75 and then I went up to a four and then I went down to 3.75 and then down to a 3.5. But yeah, four is not ridiculous. I, if, if they tone down the surfer bros and, gave me 10 more minutes quality minutes this could have been a four and a half or something it's because it's they they just missed this being talking about for me i'm not talking about commercially or critically or i'm just me personally they just missed this being like a four and a half or or a higher yeah and like you said like i love the characters like there's not a lot of forced drama in this movie like skylar plays ashley you think like she's going to be you know with this guy kip but she ends up talking about her boyfriend and like i love how like you said very low drama jack black's on the to get arrested and they're going to mexico but again that's just quickly brushed aside it's like they don't really focus on drama which is like you said could made it longer but um i do i am happy they kept this like roger eper said a pretty happy film for the most part but i could have done with more scenes like you said with like the parents or the or the idol or less the surfer friends because they were yeah. kind of outcast in this film for sure with the main cast one cool that you just brought up is so when they get in the when uh sean and ashley so colin hanks and skyler get in the, the fight at that party or whatever and then when sean pulls up to pick her up one cool thing that you kind of forget about is that jack black yeah like coaches him through that so it's like it's like he's a mess and yep. he's high on all sorts of stuff but he he's like just like, he's got his hands so he's blocking his his mouth from her point of view and he's saying like just so you're sorry tell her you love her whatever yep. and it, and it, in situations like that that 
that is what it is because it's both people just have their swords out and they, you're fighting over nothing really. Yeah. It's a, you know, so you just need someone to be like, I know this is stupid, but just say you're sorry. You should say you're sorry. You should be sorry. She's probably sorry too. Just call it off. Like it's, it's you're, you're fighting for the sake of fighting at this point. So that was a cool scene. I that was a cool that. scene. Um, so uh, Sierra Nevada, just like it was when I would drink it and it was like this cool, fancy beer. Uh, definitely recommend. I'm sure you guys, I, I don't have to tell you about Sierra Nevada. You've probably seen it in a million bars, but always refreshing. Uh, follow us on Instagram, worth a late fee. Suggestions are always welcome. We'll be back next week. And this film, Orange County, was Joe's pick. So next week is my pick. And this was an impressive film from Mr. Colin Hanks, but we can't forget about his father, Tom. So we're going to talk about Big from 1988. Yeah, I just the, watched that. Really actually, good. Yeah. One of the first non-kids movies that I remember seeing, because I remember my mom like liking this movie. And so it's, I mean, I probably saw this. I, I don't know if I saw this. I bet you I saw this in like 1989 or 90 or so. I was super young when I saw this. So have you seen it uh, since? No. Okay. Well, well, no. Okay. Have I seen it since? Yeah, I've seen it in probably the early 2000s. Okay. So it's been a while. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Been a long while. So looking forward to it. And yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about Colin Hanks' father, Tom, and the 1988 classic, Big. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Looking forward to it. As always, thanks for listening.